O seas of Caladan, O people of Duke Leto, citadel of Leto fallen, fallen forever. From Songs of Muhadib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Hi, Evan. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Hey! For those of you watching um, live on YouTube or YouTube afterwards, ooh, Evan and I are in the same room for the first time. Look, look at this. What he's doing is he's he's putting I'm, his hand through I'm the touching his face with my physical hand. I don't waste moisture yet. Don't no need to do that. <laughs> okay. So uh yeah, Evan, we are on the last chapter of um book one. Book Dune. one. So this kind of ends our little Arakeen trip, or at least uh to the be, city Arakeen. Right. We're about to enter the whole planet of Arrakis. Ooh, can't wait. All right, so uh, this chapter starts with Paul and Jessica. We meet up with them. Um, so where we, let, where we last left off with Paul and Jessica, right? Yeah. Um, Paul and Jessica, for just a quick review, they get um, drugged, and then they get taken on the ornithopter, and then... Um, Paul uses his voice and gets it just right. Just right. Where they unleash Jessica and Jessica is awesome. And then yes. Paul and Jessica kill those two people. And they realize that um, there's a bag that Yui had kind of done this and he had grabbed the bag. Right. Jessica and I think Paul is looking up one way. Jessica turns and sees this ornithopter. Yells, run! Right? Yeah. It's this moment. We don't know who's there. So Paul looks back to, th- to see the thopter skidding across the sand ridge towards them with Duncan Idaho hanging out the side, telling them to hurry and that there, oh, there's a worm coming. They can see the worm side. Oh this is this cresting ridge of this worm. Bum, 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 bum. So they jump in the ornithopter and then Idaho takes them to a rock outcropping. Um, where they put up their still tent, which they found in the bag. It was a, in the Frem kit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they put up their still tent, and then Idaho takes off to go find Kynes. Yes. He leaving Paul and Jessica alone in the still tent, hiding from the world. Chilling. In the middle of the night. And Paul is going to have a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's one way of putting it. And that's where we enter this chapter. Paul felt that his past, every experience before this night, had become sand curling in an hourglass. He sat near his mother, hugging his knees within a small fabric and plastic hutment, a still tent that had come like the Fremen clothing they now wore from the pack that was left in the ornithopter. Hut, hutment. The hutment. The hutment. That's a word. That's a wizard word for you. So there's this picture of they're in this still tent in the night um, to where even when Jessica looks at Paul, she just sees a silhouette yeah. behind the stars and he's hugging his knees. Yeah. 
emo Paul yes. sitting there just thinking, I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Here. All of his past, he's, he's starting to see it. And it's like, I get this picture of this giant hourglass and he's in it, right? Going in around and around and around being pulled to someplace else. Um, Gosh. And then this is where they're, they're starting to kind of decompress. I mean, it's been a wild ride the last year. Like everything has fallen apart. Uh, they know pretty much certainly that Duke Lido is dead. Um, the empire, their, their, their citadel has fallen. Um, everything they've worked for is now gone. And they're kind of in this moment. This moment that will shape them forever and the rest of the Imperium. Right. Okay. Um, How long has it been since they just like sat down? You know what I mean? Just like sat there. Uh, probably the dinner. Right. The dinner was the last time. They... Even then there was like so much calculations. Like there's so much going on and like the, the weird politics and mincing of words. Like this is the first time they've gotten to just like sit and wait for something. You know? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. When was the last time they slept? Good question. I mean... Right. Uh, actually slept. Actually, like, rested. Yeah. I don't... And here they are in this, like... I don't know, this this moment. Jessica's going through something. Right. Paul is going through something. Um, and Paul is realizing something about his awareness that um let's just see it's like there's an inflow of data that never stops yeah everything it's he's like his brain is constantly turned on this data point this data point from the sound the sound to how much they weigh to what's everything is happening bugs on the tent if yeah if there is a bugs out there right probably there's probably there are probably bugs there were bugs he said there was uh, he was noticing the, the the progress of an insect yes yeah Something had happened to his awareness this night. He saw the sharply sharpened clarity, every circumstance and occurrence around him. He felt unable to stop the inflow of data or the cold precision with which each new item was added to his knowledge and the computation was centered in his, in his awareness. It was Mentat power and more. Because the Mentat is like a human computer. Right. There's right. there's no emotions. It's all data points and calculations and endpoints and variables and everything added up together. Um, and so he's he's having a moment like that. This is kind of the only way he can kind of describe what's happening. Um, so now Jessica is starting to figure out what's happening. And she realizes that Yui has been the traitor. Right. Something Paul knew a long time ago. Yeah. Right. Um, and so now we have Yui's note that was hidden in the frem kit, which we knew from when we saw Yui's point of view, he would rush to get this note here. So this is what the note says. Do not try to forgive me. Yui had written. I do not want your forgiveness. I already have enough burdens. What I have done was done without malice or hope of another's understanding. It was my own Tahati Alburnum, my ultimate test. I give you the Atreides Ducal signet as a token 
that I write truly. By this time you read it, Duke Leto will be dead. Take consolation from my, from my assurance that he did not die alone, that one we hate above all others died with him. Bum, bum, bum. We wish. It had not been addressed or signed, but there was no mistaking the familiar scrawl of Yui's. Remembering the letter, Paul re-experienced the distress of that moment. A sharp thing, oh, a thing sharp and strange that seemed to happen outside of his new mental alertness. He had read that his father was dead, known the truth of the words, but had felt them as no more than another datum to be entered in his mind and used. Gosh. He can't feel. Right. That must be crazy. He says, I love my father, Paul thought. I, and he knew this to be true. He's a, he thinks I should mourn him. I should feel something. But there's nothing else except here's an important fact. Here's an important fact. <laughs> and so he's trying to like, like uh, process, I guess, what's happening right. to him in this moment and everything that's happened around him. And I love that right away, Halleck's words pop, in, pop into his brain. Mm-hmm. Halleck wisdom. He said, so Halleck's words that Paul popped into Paul's brain is, Mood's a thing for cattle and for making love. You fight when the necessity arises, no matter your mood. I'm like, okay. Even, even then, it's like still just training, still just data. Oh, yeah. Everything that's been put into him is now resurfacing at the right moment for the right thing. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not feeling. It's just data at this point. But that, but that works for Paul. Perhaps this is it, he thinks. I'll mourn my father later when there's time. But he felt no let up in the cold precision of his being. He sensed that his new awareness was only a beginning, that it was growing. <laughs> he sensed the terrible purpose he first experiences in, in his ordeal with Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mahalam. His right hand, the hand of remembered pain, tingled and throbbed. Is this what it is to be their quiswrapped hatterack? He wondered. All right. So there's something else happening to Paul. Yeah. I can only experience, like, I can only talk about this in a way of, like, it's like a bad trip. Right. He's, he's going on a mental breakdown that feels like a bad trip. But it's, it's like, it's this whole thing where um, one of my favorite lost quotes is John Locke at some point says, uh, Jack is like, I think I'm going crazy. And John Locke says, no, crazy people don't know they're going crazy. They think they're getting saner. But actually, Paul is getting saner. Like, he's getting even more awareness of, like, reality and existence and time. And, like, his awareness is actually growing bigger and bigger. And that probably would feel like straight up a mental breakdown. Yeah, something is breaking yeah. through. Yeah. Like... There's this thing he remembers that that moment where he put his hand in the box, right? He feels that pain, and he's yeah, he still feels like a tingle, an that actual tingle, thing. and then like what that not only represents, but like there's that terrible purpose he felt mm-hmm. that something inside of him awakening coming through, mm-hmm. and it's almost like this terrible purpose is trying to break through right into his consciousness, right. And it's in this moment because of the stress and because of something else we'll, we'll learn out in, in the chapter. Oh, yeah. What's causing this to happen. But lots, yeah. It's, it's a culmination of events leading to here, this, this moment, this crossover. Right. 
into something we know not what it is. Mm-hmm. So again, they're sitting in the tent and uh, they're trying to, a lot of this is happening in people's heads, in either Jessica's head or Paul's head, but they're both kind of awkward to be quiet. Right. <laughs> Jessica starts to wonder about Idaho. Like, what happens if Idaho doesn't get through the kinds? What happens if he doesn't come back? Um, and Paul eventually says, we will depend on ourselves. Our immediate concern is the family atomics. And he says it with like a coldness and a precision yeah. that he's already thought through everything. This is the determined line. Yeah. Um, and Jessica's still trying to figure it out. Uh, and she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's breaking it down. Like kind of in the dinner, that's kind of the only time we saw also in the weirding room, but like Jessica and Paul have like this like mental showdown. Where they try yeah. to f- figure out the the end points first. Yeah, it's kind of like that again. But all of a sudden, Paul's lie. Paul is taking the lead real quick, and that's freaking Jessica out. Right? right. Even Paul is thinking to himself, like, "What's taking her so long?" She's so slow. He literally says, "She's so slow." Yeah. At some point, <laughs> like I think it was about the part about Yui, where they're like, "He's like, you haven't figured this out yet. It's been Yui all along. This is why he did it." Right. But also, there's like. You said you said before, like Paul had known for a while when like a couple of chapters ago when he he had the thought. I don't know that I don't know if he knew for sure Yui was the traitor because somebody like shut it down really quick. Right. And so he was like, Oh, okay, well, maybe maybe he's not. Yeah, adults know more than me. That he's in this headspace, he's like, Of course he was the traitor. I I've known this whole time. I just like was taking bad data in and he's like doing all these hindsight 2020 <laughs> uh, calculations. You uh-huh. know? Yes. And I think that's a good point to bring up. It's like, and even in this chapter, Jessica's going to say like, there's no more child in him. Yeah. He is only man because before he was a child, like, Oh, my mom knows best. Of course it's not. Right. But now he's like lapping her right. in the thought process. She was like, okay, cool. You want the family atomics? That makes sense. You blackmail with the family atomics to blow up the whole planet and the spice. But then what's your next move after that? You blow up the planet, kill all the spice, and then what? You run away? What do you do next? How do you how do you do this? Mm-hmm. Um and then Paul gets another piece of wisdom from one of his trainers, teachers, friends, um, Howitt. And he remembers this, that Howitt said, um, oh, wait, here it is. His mother's word had provoked another train of thought in Paul. A Duke's concern for his people, they'd lost this night. All the people we brought with us are probably dead. People are the true strength of a great house. I think that's that's his dad. Yeah. First and foremost, take care of your people. Yeah. Paul thought, and then he remembered Howitt's words. Parting with people is a sadness. A place is only a place. Right. Which that is some good juice, uh, listeners and watchers or whoever you are. That is super real. I don't know. We could we could do a whole podcast on that one. We could, yeah. We could dive deep <laughs> into how it's about people, not about a place. Right. Which is great because... Uh, Paul and Jessica are about to go to a whole new place. Yeah. Align themselves with another people, but at least they have each other, which I think is cool. 
So now we've got, got, so far we've got uh, Gurney's wisdom, his dad's wisdom, Howard's wisdom, all popping in at different moments. Then Jessica, again, is starting to putting it together. Holy cow, they're using Sardaukar. Like, how, how do they do this? And then Paul says, they think to catch us between the desert and the Sardaukar. They intend there to be no Atreides survivors. Total extermination. Do you not count on, on any of our people escaping? Jessica, they cannot go on the indefinite, indefinitely risking exposure of the Emperor's part in this because if the Lanzarad knows that the Emperor is involved, yeah. they will rebel against him. And the only reason they don't gain forces because he has the Sardaukar. And if they realize that the Emperor is using his elite battle squad, yeah, on them they won't they won't do anything. Right, but if they knew they would rise up against him. Um, so the emperor can't know that Sardaukar are being used. And then Paul's like, "Well, why can't they use the Sardaukar? I don't I don't get it." And, yeah. Jessica, and Jessica's like, "Some of our people are bound to escape." And Paul's like, "Are they bound to escape? Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, who owns the skies?" He's like, "Mom, catch up." Right. Like, he's literally like, I, when I read it, it was like, they can't go on indefinitely risking exposure of the Emperor's part in this. Like, can't they? Why not? Well, some of our people are bound to escape. Are they? Catch uh, up. Get on my level because you're not there and I need you to get there. <laughs> my, like, literal survival depends on you right now. So I need you right. to catch up. <laughs> um, and then. Like she's trying to put all these things together and the grief um, it starts to hit her in waves about losing the Duke, losing the love of her life. And she thinks that there's a, she, a quote pops in her head and there's a time to love and a time to grieve. She puts her hand on her abdomen, awareness focused on the embryo living in there. She thinks I have the Atreides daughter. I was ordered to produce by the Reverend Mother was wrong. A daughter wouldn't have saved my widow. This child is only life reaching for the future in the midst of death. I conceived out of instinct and not out of obedience. So I think um, uh, Rebecca, nope, what's her, not her name? Jessica. Why is it Rebecca? So weird. Who's Rebecca? Who's Rebecca? <laughs> Jessica was. Um, given right to Leto with the sole purpose of creating an offspring, right? A daughter, right? Because B'nai Jesuit only are supposed to create other women, mm -hmm. which they can use. Um, but she had a son, mm. right? She had rebelled, and now she's remarking, like, I finally did what you wanted, I made a daughter, but I didn't do it because of you. I almost I did it for Leto, right? She can feel life dying and so she conceived so life can continue um i almost want to say that she, this baby was made uh on arrakis oh so like she came here could feel it see the duke start to like lose it and was like we're the ship is going down life needs to continue Dang, where did they find time to bump uglies on that crazy first? Like, they weren't sleeping. Three, like, four days. They weren't sleeping. 
Well, you know, just pop some anti-fatigue pills and say, let's go. I'm stressed, babe. Come on. Let's relieve this pressure. Or maybe it's me, or maybe it's her seducing him. Like, like she walks in the room. Hey, by the way, we're having, we're going at it. And then she right. leaves and he continues fretting. She's like, okay, right. work done. Or she's like, she's like, sees him stressed out. And she uses the voice, take me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something inside of her that um, is, that's life is coming forth through her. Yeah. Ah, right. Anyway. Um, Paul says, try the communicate receiver again. Try the radio. Right? Again, they're kind of sitting inside when he's trying to like figure all this out. So he's like, turn on the radio. Jessica found the tiny receiver Idaho had left for them, flipped its switch. A green light flowed on the instrument's face. Teeny screeching came from the speaker. She reduced the volume, hunted across the bands. A voice speaking. A Atreides battle language came into the tent. Back and regroup at the ridge. Fedor reports no survivors in Carthag, and the guild bank has been sacked. Carthag, Jessica thought. That was a Harkonnen hotbed. There's Sardaukar, the voice said. Watch out for Sardaukar in Atreides' uniforms. There. A roaring filled the speaker, then silence. Paul, try the other bands. Jessica, do you realize what this means? And then Paul goes, I expected it. They want the guild to blame us for the destruction of their bank. With the guild against us, we're trapped on Arrakis. Try the other bands. <laughs> like he, like he's, he's like, he's like, mom, catch up. They're yeah. trying to frame us. They want us all dead. They want to keep us here. No one is getting off the planet. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is such a weird moment. Like for Jessica and for us as the reader, we're like, what, what? is happening to Paul right now? <laughs> Paul is having a mental breakdown. He is ballsy and he's like so sure of himself all of a sudden, you know? There was no mistaking the victorious exaltation, I think that's the word, in the Harkonnen gibberish that poured from the other bands. Harkonnens don't use real words, they use gibberish. Mm. Mm. They're mean and talk gibberish. That was, there wasn't enough of it for Jessica to register or break the language, but the tone was obvious. Harkonnen victory. Paul shook the pack beside him, hearing the two leader johns of water gurgle there. He took a deep breath, <sighs> looked through the transparent end of the tent at the rock escarpment outlined against the stars. His hand felt the sphincter's feel of the tent's entrance. You don't want to talk about sphincter? I was just going to let it slide, but like, gross. <laughs> Why you got to make it a sphincter, though? Like, uh, like I love that's the first word you walk in, in, press a button, and you know <laughs> nothing's getting out. Yeah. No moisture. Yeah. Just keep it tight. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll be dawn soon, he said. We can't wait through the desert night. In the desert, you must travel by night, rest in the shade through the day. Mm-hmm. Where is he getting this information? Was I going to in a? He's pulling this probably this information from some film book he maybe saw. Right. It's it's like um, Limitless. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? The the movie with the pill that like makes your brain super awesome. With Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Paul is basically like starting on the Limitless pill trip right now. Yes. Is what it feels like. Yes. 
And he's like, I read a book one time in the third grade that said that in the desert, you need to blah, 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 you know, like Uh recalling just every bit of information that's ever passed, even like in the corner of his eyes. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. Um, Jessica's still putting it together. She remembers without a still suit, a man sitting in the shade in the desert needs five liters of water to maintain body weight. She feels the soft, slick skin of the still suit against her body, thinking how their lives depended on these garments. If we leave here, Idaho can't find us, she says. And Paul's like, if he doesn't get back by dawn, we leave. Because if if he's not back, he's caught. If he's caught, he will be tortured and he will talk. And it's not his fault that he's going to talk because everyone breaks under this much pain. Right. We have to move. And I think she's like, where do we move to? Like, what's our next move? We go in the desert and get eaten by sandworms? Like, who do we go to? She hasn't figured out what Paul's already thinking. Correct. Paul then goes directly to the pack because he's going to need the pack if he's going to leave. Right? Uh, He pulls out the tiny micro manual with a glow tab and a magnifier. Green and orange letters leap up and leap up at him from the pages. Leader Johns, still tent, energy caps, recaths, sand snork, binoculars, still suit rep kit, baradie pistol, sink chart, filt plugs, paracompass, maker hooks, thumpers, frem kit, fire pillar. Whoop. That's so a lot of interesting sounding things. Caleb. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, which one do you want to know about first? Uh, fire pillars stuck, stuck out to me. Also, sand snork. Yes. Uh, like, a, like a snorkel. So what the, this is not spoilers per se, it's just what this tool is for the Fremen. So you kind of just like cozy up in the sand and... So you, okay. yeah, you'd put it with your um, still, no, with your, and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, audience, or send us a nasty email at reading. Please correct, Dune. Caleb. Okay. <laughs> we're watching the comments right here. Please tell us when we're wrong. Uh, readingdune at gmail.com. If you want to just angry message us, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I won't, can, I, I won't read it. We can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you would put it, the snorkel in to get air, so in your still tent, when it's, say, like on the sand or something, and like dune comes over you, you like when you're sleeping, you can pop up and get air. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Cool. Binoculars, you know what those are for? What? They're, they're for seeing long distances. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you, like, put them up to your eye, and then you can see things that are far away. Wow. Such technology. Yeah, I know. These, uh, what a brave man Frank Herbert was. These Fremen, they do have some interesting tech. But what, what's the fire pillar, though? Because my context for a fire pillar is Exodus. Yeah, okay. It's probably like um, like a flare. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Right? Um, so people could find you? Yeah. Or, yeah. That's what I would think. Gotcha. Um, and Jessica looking him, looking at this stuff, preparing to go. And then he says, or she says, where can we possibly go? And then Paul, in his preciseness, my father spoke of desert power. The Harkonnens can never rule this planet without it. They've never ruled this planet, nor shall they, not even when 10,000 legions of Sardaukar. Yeah! <laughs> like, not even with the Emperor's entire force 
will they ever be able to subdue this planet? Yeah. There is an untapped resource, not just the spice, but something that can take over everything. Mm. Mm. He knows exactly what he's going to. He says, we have all the evidence in our hands right here in this tent. The pack, its content, still suits. We know the guild wants a prohibitive price for weather satellites. We know that. And Jessica's like, what the hell do weather satellites have to do with (laughs) any of this? She's so lost, and it's so weird to me. And Paul's just staring at her. Paul senses the hyper-alertness of his mind, reading her reactions, computing every minutia, just data upon data upon data just into his brain. He says, you see it now? Satellites watch the terrain below. And there are things in the deep desert that do that will not bear frequent inspection. So she says, are you suggesting that Guild controls the planet? Yeah, this is where he says it. She was so slow. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's no with an exclamation point. He said, the Fremen, they're paying the Guild for privacy, paying in a coin that's freely available for anyone with desert power. The spice. The spice. And then he says this, which is, I think is even better. There is more than a there is more than a second approximation answer. It's a sec, it's a straight line computation. Depend on it. Like this is a A plus B equals C. Right. Easy. There's no like this isn't an opinion. I'm telling you that this is what's <laughs> happening. Just go with it. Like and Jessica's only seen this in Mentats before. Right. So, and she knew that he was being trained for a Mentat, but isn't one yet. So she's like, hey, boy, don't talk to me like this. You're my son, Paul. You're not a Mentat yet. How can you be sure? And he like freaks out on her. I'll never be a Mentat. He said, I'm something else. A freak. <laughs> he doesn't know how to handle himself, to be right. honest. As he's a teenager going through a lot right now. I can imagine. And then Jessica says, Paul, how can you say such a... And he yells at her, leave me alone. He's going back and forth between like, I don't know, between like almighty being and like small emo child. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm a freak, mom. Leave me alone. By the way, it's a straight... opponents have... <laughs> <laughs> right, just... And almost like, can you imagine Jessica like watching this and it's literally back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she's already like, what the hell is going on? And this starts happening, just adds a whole other layer of what the hell is going on. Yeah, he's literally going through a mental breakdown because his brain is taking in so much that he's almost, he's starting to like see lines of thought and where they lead and how it works and what's going on, which is going to lead to what we're going to see here earlier. Or later in the chapter. Yeah. All right. Um, and he's right. So he's screaming at her, leave me alone. And he turns away and he looks out into the night and he thinks, why can't I mourn? Like he's thinking in his brain, like, this is so weird. Why can't I grieve? And if anything, all this emotional reaction is like, you're emotionally reacting. It's just a data point. Right. You don't actually feel any emotion about it. Right. He's freaking out. Jessica has never heard such a distress in her son's voice. She wants to do what any mom does, right? And Take care of her boy. But she realizes that he can only solve this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This, this is just awkward. She doesn't know what to do. But if anything, she wants to kind of like see his face. 
So uh, I think this is it. Nope, not yet. It comes later. Not yet. Her look on his face. But she does open the light to go read the book because she's in this awkward moment, doesn't really know what to do. <laughs> and there's only one thing there in this small little tent is this little book. Right. And so she's, she's still trying to catch up. Like, what, what was he reading? What, what did he get out right. of Right. So she hits the glow tabbing, glow tab on the frame kit manual. She lifted it and glanced at the flyleaf reading Manual of the Friendly Desert, a place full of life. <laughs> Here in the Ayat and the Burnham of life, believe and Aulat shall never burn you. It reads like the Alhazir book, she thought, recalling her studies of the great secrets, you know, in her like high school class. Has a manipulator of religions been here on Arrakis? Paul lifted the pair of compass from the pack, returned it, and said, Think of all these special application Fremen machines. They show unrivaled sophistications. Admit it. The culture had made these things betray depths no one suspected. Because, of course, Fremen were just the natives at this point in time. No one knew anything about it. We don't know how many they are. The Harkonnens hunted them. Right. We've never actually delved. We kind of know about their culture a little bit, but it's still, they're still savages. Right. And at least that's the assumption, right? Because mm -hmm. that's been the assumption that I've been making. Yes. Reading through this this whole time until that was kind of pointed out. Um I maybe got a glimpse of it when they were like, oh, Fremen still suits are like significantly better than everybody else's. But um, I didn't actually like it didn't click in my brain like, wait, they're like hiding a lot until Paul said that exactly right there. You know, <laughs> yes, there is a whole untapped civilization that they know nothing about that doesn't fit into their frothaluches of how they have organized like the Imperia. Right. They sit outside of it. And Paul's about to see that and use it. Right. They're, uh, they're, I'm on point with the uh, nerddom analogies today. They're Wakanda. Yes. They're a hidden technological, like, giant that nobody knows and thinks they're just like, and they were hunted in savages. Yeah, yeah, they were hunted like savages. No. For, yeah. For sport, probably. Hesitating, Jessica's still worried by the harshness in his voice. Jessica returned to the book because she didn't know what else to do. <laughs> and she studied an illustrated constellation from the Arakeen sky, Muhadib, the mouse, and noted that the tail pointed north. Ooh. So it's her first seeing the word Muhadib without it being a quote in the beginning. Right. Which is, yeah, we're, yeah where that comes from. Dum, 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 dum. So, so far, it's a constellation of a mouse. Right. Which When I read that, I was like, the mouse? Really? Like, yeah. That's it? That's what it does with that big word has meant this whole time? The mouse? The mouse. And the tail pointed north. And for like, where we know the geography of every, uh, of Arrakis, like they were on the northern hemisphere, so we know. Yeah. So everything goes up to the North Pole. Um, Paul stared out of the tense darkness at the dimly discerned movements of his mother revealed by the manual's glow tab. And he thinks... Now is the time to carry out my father's wish, he thought. I must give her his message while she still has time for grief. Grief would inconvenience us, inconvenience us later. He found himself shocked by the precise logic. And then his tone changes because he's here for a purpose. Mother, he said, 
Yes, right? She looks up. She heard the change in his voice, felt coldness in her entrails at the sound. Never had she heard such harsh control. My father is dead, he said. She searched within herself for the coupling of this fact and fact and fact, the Bene Gesserit way of ass assessing data, and it came to her, the sensation of terrifying loss. Jessica nodded, unable to speak. My father charged me once, Paul said, to give you a message if anything happened to him. He feared you might believe he distrusted you. She thinks that's a, that's a that useless suspicion. We dealt with that already. Paul says, he wanted you to know he never suspected you and explained the deception, adding, he wanted to know you'd always, he always trusted you completely. He always loved you and cherished you. He said he would sooner mistrusted himself and he has but one regret that he never made you his duchess. <laughs> That's the sound of Evan crying. Stop, you're wasting water. Sorry. Oh, sorry. She brushed the tears coursing <laughs> down her cheeks and thought, what a stupid waste of a body's water. And that's her first Arakeen thought as being a person of Arrakis. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, but wait, there's something really beautiful about that. It's like, it's a waste of such a precious thing that like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's almost holy, valuable, holy, yeah, holy sacrifice of water for the one for the person you've lost. Like, that's beautiful and poetic and deep. I'm a poet. Yeah, yeah, you got it right on. <laughs> um, yeah, she's that's that grief point right there. Sobs shook her. Paul heard his mother's grief and felt the em emptiness within himself. I have no grief, he thought. Why? Why? He felt the inability to grieve as a terrible flaw. Paul's mind had gone in chilling precision. And this is where we start to get the trip in his head. Yeah. Paul is now on another level of tripping. It's like the waves. Yes. Of like acid, uh huh. The waves are getting like the the peaks are getting higher, and the, and the lows are getting lower. lower. Yes, yeah. that's exactly. I would, yeah, I should say that's happening here. Of like his awareness and time and how it all moves. And uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this because I don't know how else to talk about it. Fair. And we call this podcast "Reading Dune." So we got to read Dune. <laughs> and yeah, this is this is trippy. I still am tripping over about it, over it. All right. Paul's mind got on in his chilling precision. He saw the avenues ahead of him on this hostile planet. Without even the safety valve of dreaming, he focused his prescient awareness, seeing it as a computation of the most probable futures, but within something more, an edge of mystery, as though his mind dipped into something, some timeless stratum and sampled the winds of the future. Okay. Yeah, please, Evan, comment anytime you want to comment. Uh, that was just a lot right off the bat. Right. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to make, I think, hold. Holding. Holding. Hold. Yes, I want to make a point of where we just started reading. For If you're like holding your book in front of you, it's just it's a possibility. Um, just 
mark like the beginning of that paragraph. All right. We're on page 314 in the new edition. Yeah. Um, right at the top of the page. Abruptly, as though he'd found a necessary key, his Paul's mind climbed another notch in awareness. He felt himself clinging to this new level, clutching in a precarious hold and peering about. It was as though he existed within a globe with avenues radiating away in all directions, yet this only approximated the sensation. So like, I felt like that last line, yet this only approximated the sensation, is like Frank trying to say like, that's like the best I can describe it, you guys. Like that's <laughs> as close as I can get with my words to explaining what's happening to Paul right now. Yeah. You know? Without like seeing it, feeling it, being there. Right. Yeah. Yes. I was like, well, what's and and so what's Paul's happening is like he's the straight line of computations are now pointing to the future, and then he went to the another line like, holy crap, we can see the future, and then it's going up into this this thing, and it's just like infinity around him of all the possibilities uh, anyway keep going he remembered once seeing a gauze kerchief handkerchief kerchief gauze kerchief blowing in the wind and now he sensed the future as though it twisted across some surface as undulant and impermanent at that of the wind-blown kerchief he saw people felt the heat and cold of uncounted probabilities. He knew names and places, experienced emotions without number, reviewed data of innumerable unexplored crannies. There was time to probe and test and taste, but no time to shape. The thing was a spectrum of possibilities from the most remote past to the remote future. So he's going backward and forward in time. He saw his own death in countless ways. Oh my gosh. He saw new planets, new cultures, people, people. <laughs> he saw them in such swarms he could they could not be listed, yet his mind ding 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 catalog all of them. Kind of like Professor X when he gets into um uh, Cerebro. Cerebro and it's just like the flood of people. Yeah, but also the future and the past. At the same time. Uh, okay. Wow. And he even sees the guildsman. So he wanted to see what a guild navigator looked like way back when. Now he gets it. Yeah. And he thought, the guild, right? That's on his side, his rabbit trails in his head. The guild, that's weird. I could fit in there. Like that, that, that'd be a way for us. My strangeness would be accepted as a familiar thing of high value. But always with an sure supply of the now necessary spice. So he realized the spice is definitely involved in this trip. <laughs> but the idea of living outside oh, the, the idea of living out his life in the mind groping ahead through possibilities futures that guided hurtling spaceships appalled him it was a way though like one path in a meeting of the possible future that contains Gilsman he recognized his own strangeness I have another sight I see another kind of terrain the available paths Gosh. The awareness conveyed both reassurance and alarm. So many places on that other kind of terrain dipped and turned out of sight. Okay. Here's where where we were looking at the top, where, where yeah, I told read, you to yeah. mark. Uh-huh. Now read the next little paragraph. As swiftly as it had come, the sensation 
slipped away from him, and he realized the entire experience had taken the space of a heartbeat. What? <laughs> the, the, yeah, all of that. Boop, boop. He just... He literally just, like, came out of time, experienced all of that. You know, it's like when Gandalf is talking about his time between, like, his fight with the Balrog and coming back. Right. It's like, Lip. every second was like a lifetime of the earth. He just had that, like a glimpse of that moment. Or when uh, Dr. Strange gets kicked into the, the new realms and he goes through all of those things. And right. Ding, 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 but it was like, boom. Dude, Dr. Strange is a good, is a, another good analogy because like seeing the avenues. Yes. Um, when um, the, the, the bald lady, what the heck's her name? Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about. Listeners, yeah. you, you guys know who I'm talking about, hopefully. Um, um, Bruce Banner is there trying to get the time stone from her in the past. Right. And she goes, and she like shows him the line. Like, the, the line of that. That's what I was picturing as like the avenues, the yeah. different paths, you know? Yes. I think I think both Doctor Strange and this book were probably had some acid involved in it. It's the only way I can <laughs> right. explain what's happening right now um yes this is his this thing that's happening to him and it's just yeah yeah it's just crazy to me that this one peak of this experience that he's having happened within a boop boop of his heart you know and that he's so aware that he was then aware of how quickly it all, all of that experience happened Yes. And then it's yeah, data just rushes through again. Just an everything to the night, to his mother's grieving, to the, like her, the sound of probably her heartbeat. Right. And there was, there was, it was, and everything was around him, but he also felt empty yeah. at the same time. There was, this was, this was hard for him to kind of like understand what, what, what is going on. He recorded the minuscule shadings of the differences around him, a slight change in moisture, a fractional fall in temperature, the progress of an insect, there was the insect, across the still suit roof, the solemn approach of dawn in the starlight patch of sky. He could see at the out of the tense, transparent end. The emptiness was unbearable. Knowing how the clockwork had been set in motion made no difference. So now he, like, knows how it happened. Yeah, he knows how it happened. He saw in in his trip here, he both saw the past and the future at the same time. Right. And saw like how he got led to this point. Right. And so this like mysterious thing that was just like happening to him, he's like, oh, I know exactly why it's happening, what made it happen, what, you know, like every aspect of it. Yes. Um, it was the training, the sharpening of the talents, his refined pressures of sophisticated disciplines, even the exposure to the OC Bible at a critical moment him leaving his homeworld. Mm. And lastly, the heavy intake of spice. The spice. You know what's crazy is I don't think he's even had that much spice yet. He's just breathing it in. He's breathing it in. That's I mean, all it, was it took. In, it was in some of the food too, though, right? right? They talked uh -huh. about at the dinner, there was like spice Good. coffee and... Right, yeah. Um, but at the dinner, he was went that they like, had a special meal from Caledon without spice in it. And everybody else was like, oh, this is without spice. It's very different. There was no cinnamon hint yeah. in this at all. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much spice he had at this point. Uh, 
So, oh my gosh, it's literally, it's like all of the training and everything that was like dug into him and like planted the way, him, the yeah. way he thinks. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he's like exposed to just the right amount of spice, not a lot of it, no, nope. just the right amount of spice, it triggers like this whole other. I think it's also, I think a lot of yeah. consciousness or whatever, I whatever think, is happening. I think he misses something right here because he's in the moment. Okay. Um, and I think what he misses is he misses is, is uh, the stress involved to put him to this point. Right. He just lost his dad. They got everything they were going to build up. He kind of could see it coming, but like it's all culminating in one big moment. And you're right. This is the first time they've stopped. Right. At all in like a very long time. Right. And so it's like everything's now catching up with him and the stress of the moment. Plus with the intake of the spice and all this thing is like had the, the whatever it is happening to him broke through in this mm -hmm. moment. And this is where he, he says, I'm a monster. I'm a freak. And he goes, no, no, no. And he's pounding the tent floor with his fists. <laughs> Boom. Just throwing a tantrum. For Jessica, she's like, no. <laughs> like, what? Why? Paul, what are you doing? Moments ago, he was like consoling her about the death of her like no. lover. And now he's like, paint, like no, having a tantrum. No, no. <laughs> like this whole thing for Jessica, she's freaking out. Yeah. But all Paul can see is, wow, that was interesting. Why'd I do that? <laughs> it still feels nothing. Paul, Jessica says. His mother was beside him, holding his hand, her face a gray blob, peering at him. Paul, what's wrong? You, he said. Emo. Back, back, back to, to emo, Paul. Paul, yeah. I'm here, Paul, she said. It's all right. What have you done to me? He demanded. In a burst of clarity, she sensed some of the roots in the questions and said, I gave birth to you. Boom. Jessica! That is mom, like, like, gosh, any freak out moment, and it's like the, I'm the person that, who knows you best. I gave birth to you. I want oh, nothing of the best for you. Man! It was from instinct, as much as her own subtle knowledge, the precise, correct answer to calm him. He felt her hands holding him, focused on the dim outline of her face. Certain gene traces in her facial structure were noted in a new way by his onflowing mind, the clues added to other data, and a final summation, the answer put forward. Let go of me, he said. She heard the iron in his voice, obeyed. Do you want to tell me what's wrong, Paul? Paul says. Did you know what you were doing when you trained me? And Paul thinks, or Jessica thinks, there's no more childhood in his voice. Yeah. She said, I hope the thing any parent hopes, that you'd be superior, different, different. She heard the bitterness in his tone. She said, Paul, I, you didn't want a son. You wanted a Quizrat Hatterach. You wanted a male Bene Gesserit. She recoiled from his bitterness. Then Paul says, did you ever consult my father in this? And then she spoke gently out of the freshness of her grief. Whatever you are, Paul, the, her the heredity is as much your father as me. But not the training, he said, not the things that awakened the, the sleeper. S sleeper? The sleeper. It's here. He put his hand on his head and then to his breast. In me. It goes on and on and on. 
He's trying to he's trying to explain what he's yeah. seeing. Like there's that something that's been there the whole time that's been awakened in him in this moment, and it just goes on and on and on yeah. and on, and I can't stop it, Mom. I can't stop it. Gosh, Paul. She heard the hysteria. She heard the hysteria edging his voice. Listen to me, he said. You wanted the Reverend Mother to hear my dreams. You you listen in her place now. I had a waking dream. Do you know why? Just calm yourself, she said. It's the the spice, he said. It's in everything here. The air, the soil, the food, the geriatric spice. It's the truth sayer's drug. It's a poison. That's where she, Jessica stiffens up straight. Yeah. A poison so subtle, so insidious, so irreversible, it won't even kill you unless you stop taking it. We can't leave Arrakis unless we take part of Arrakis with us. Ah. The terrifying presence of his voice brooked no dispute. Okay, okay. So back to chapter one. Yes. With the Reverend Mother. Uh Uh-huh. She was talking about the possibility of someone. Was it spice that she was talking about? Like coming off of it and um and like they would be able to see more than anyone else, like in the past and the and the yeah. future or whatever. Yeah, her the you're looking for the Quisra cataract, right? The right the person who can look both down female lines and male lines. Right. And the it was spice that they were talking about, right? Like that technically the truth sayer drug, right? That's the thing that the okay. that the Reverend Mothers use to get the power to see whether people are like it just heightens everything for them. Right. But then if you come off of it, usually people die. Yeah, there's no way to survive okay. without it. Like once you've like started on it, you need it forever. Gotcha. I didn't know if that's if that was like no one's I was confused if that yeah. was spice or the truth here. Yeah, no one's come off it and lived. Gotcha. Um, and I, I and so as he's now like remember how they're not getting off the planet at all. The guild won't let them, and if they leave Ara- like Arrakis has trapped them. Right, Dune has trapped them here. You and the spice, Paul said. The spice changes anyone who gets this much of it, but thanks to you. I can bring the change to consciousness. I don't get to leave it in the unconscious where it disturbs and can be blanked out. I can see it. Paul, you, I can see it. See it, he repeated. She heard the madness in his voice and didn't know what to do. But he spoke again and heard the iron control. We're trapped here. She agrees. She starts to see it. Yep. Yep. We're trapped here. We're going to spend the rest of our lives running from the Harkonnens. And here it is. Um, she's like starting to get it. And Paul is trying to explain what's happening to him. He's like, I, I have this waking dream, right? And in this heartbeat, in this thing, this thing is happening to me. And he's, but he says, I've had a waking dream that you'll bear a daughter, my sister, here on Arrakis. Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. okay. What, what do I skip something here? Yeah, it's he says, uh, I must tell you about my waking dream. He's like, I need, I need to actually tell you what's happening, right? And then he says, matter of factly, I don't think that's how you say that. Um, to be sure you accept what I say, I'll tell you first, I know you'll be our daughter, my sister, here on Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Like, he just like 
says it. Just just off the bat, so you know that I'm I mean what I'm saying. You're about to have a daughter. I know it. You know it, and that's happening. So let's just get that out of the way. Yes. And then every piece, like all these pieces of like massive information that he gives, he's like, yeah, this is this. That's that. That thing over there is this over, you know, and like he's kind of matter of fact about all of these gigantic revelations that uh-huh. are about to happen. Like he's 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 witnessed the map of time. Right. And now he's going to say, OK, mom, I've seen it. Yeah. This is what's going to happen here, 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 here. And by the way, this is how we this is how we move. Right. This is what we do. And this freaks Jessica out. Right. <laughs> She's like, oh, my cow. Like. She, only her Bene Gesserit training got her to sense that there was an embryo in her at all. Like, how and, does he know? And it says it was like a faint, she had a faint, like, feeling that it was there and it was female. That's it. That's, That's all it. she got. And he, like, knows everything. And this is where she whispers. She goes back to her training automatically. Only here to serve. We exist only to serve. And then Paul, on to the next point. We'll find a home among the Fremen where your missionary protectiva has bought us a bolt hole. They've, and this is where Jessica remembers what she's been told. They prepared a way for us. But how does he know about the missionary protectiva? Like, how does... Like, Paul didn't know about it at all? Like, he, he didn't know what that was? No, it's a Bene Gesserit secret. It's a secret. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> like so that they that they've seeded religions across right. the like the whole unknown universe to help them in any need of trouble and all this stuff. So like he knows all of the legends and how he's going to use them already. Gosh, but also oh my gosh, this is tripping me out because like he knows all of the legends, but he's also becoming like the the embodiment. Uh huh. The main kind of legend that they were planting. He's becoming the actual thing that they were like. Is yeah? Is he fulfilling prophecy? Is he making prophecy? Is he becoming prophecy? Uh, All at the same time. This <laughs> is so nuts. Okay, um, here it is. <laughs> that uh, yes. How does how does he know about this? She starts to freak out. About the seeing at this point the overpowering strangeness in Paul, but he just studies her dark shadow because there are no lights yet. It's just the shadow of her. He's just like staring her down, saying this crazy stuff. Yes. Um, a beginning of compassion for her crept over him, like she has no idea what's happening. <laughs> I thought you were my mom, and you could have it happen, but no, you had no clue. Um. There are things that can happen here I cannot begin to tell you, he said. This sense of the future, I seem to have no control over it. The thing just happens, the immediate future, say, a year. I can can see some of that, like a road as broad as our central avenue on Caledon, some places I don't see, shadowed places, as though it went behind a hill. And again, he thought of the surface of the blowing kerchief. And and there are branches. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to explain what this looks like to you. Like, I can see the future, but, like, sometimes it dips down and there's a hill I don't see at all. Right. But I come back up on the other end. I don't know what happens in that time, but, yeah, we can see where all of this goes. He fell silent as the memory of seeing filled him. Not a, No crescent dream, no experience of his life, and quite prepared him for the totality, which with the veil had been ripped away to reveal naked time. 
Recalling the experience, he recognized his own terrible purpose, the pressure of his life spreading outward like an expanding bubble and time retreating before it. Oh my God. Like he is this thing that you time fears. Almost. <sighs> Jessica then find the glow globe tab, wanting to see Paul, activates it. A dim light of, drove back the shadows and you see Paul's face, his eyes, the inward stare. She knew where she had seen it before, pictured in the records of disaster on the faces of children who experienced starvation or terrible injury. The eyes were like pits, mouths, a straight line, cheeks inward. It looks of terrible awareness, she thought, if someone forced the knowledge of their own mortality. Right, their own mortality. Uh, Paul has seen himself die multiple times. Right. He knows how it ends. He's basically seen every way it possibly ends. And 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 Jessica gets furious at this because right. you've broken the innocence of her child. So the first thing she does is blame like the Harkonnens, right? Like, how do we do this? There's, th is there a way to, to evade the Harkonnens? Like, how do we, what is, what is this? Yeah, we can, we can evade the Harkonnens. We can, we can figure this out. Right. You've seen in the past. Yes. Um, the Harkonnens, he sneered. Put those twisted humans out of your mind. He stared at his mother, studying the lines of her face and the light of the glow tab. The lines betrayed her. She said, you shouldn't refer to people as humans without. Don't be so sure you know where to, where to draw the line, Paul said. We carry our past with us. And mother mine, there's a thing you don't know or should. We are Harkonnens. Ah! Bum, 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 bum. Ah! This is where her mind just blanks. Like, wait, what? Everything we've all like, our mortal enemies. We are our mortal enemies. In that oh moment. Oh my gosh. Which then just like, what is a mortal enemy? Uh -huh. You know, it just like the whole thing that Frank's been building up this whole time just like starts to crumble. It's like, it's even bigger than that. Yeah. The, ba the bad guys aren't the bad guys. You, we are all bad guys. We're the bad guys. Yeah. Every, we, everyone is bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the people you call evil, we are those people as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my This is where he says very frankly... Get it, frankly. Ah. <laughs> when next you find a mirror, study your face and study mine. Now, the traces are there if you don't blind yourself. Look at my hands, set in my bones. And if none of this convinces you, then take my word for it. I've walked the future. I've looked at the record. I've seen a place. I have all the data. We're Harkonnens. So she tries to rationalize, right? Maybe some distant cousin. Maybe not. Definitely not. We're definitely not related to the Baron, right? And he says... You're the Baron's own daughter. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> you couldn't get any closer to being direct evil. He watched oh the way he pre she pressed her hands to her mouth. And then he continues. The Baron sampled many pleasures in his youth and once permitted himself to be seduced. But it was for the genetic purposes of the Bene, of the Bene, Bene Gesserit by one of you. Ooh. The way he said you struck her like a slap. One of you. You. You people. Disgusting witches. You planned this whole thing <laughs> to do this. And once, you know, he let himself, the Baron let himself be seduced by, but for only this one purpose. Right. 
But the word you set in her mind to working and she could not deny his word. So many blank ends of meaning in her past reached out now and linked. The daughters the Bene Gesserit wanted. It wasn't to end the old Atreides Harkonnen feud, but to fix some genetic factor in their lines. What? She was being used. Everything is being used. Plans upon plans upon plans upon plans. I didn't. Even, I honestly didn't even pick that up before now. Like as as you're reading through it, that's insane. People can't hear you, Evan, when you put the mic in oh. your, or with the book in your in your. I said that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> yeah, and so this is where Paul like sees the question she's asking, right? And Paul says, they thought they were reaching for me, but I'm not what they expected. And I've arrived before my time, and they don't know it. Just Ooh, they, they, the B'nai Gesserit? They, the B'nai Gesserit, don't know that Paul has arrived in this moment to see time like this. Right. Because they, they were hoping for somebody like this. Yeah. But the Reverend Mother still is just like, maybe. But probably not. He'll probably die. Right. Everybody else is going to die on that planet. He Gosh. won't make it. But, you know, there is the missionary productiva if you really need it. So, you know, there's that. And this is where Jessica finally, like, puts together as much as she can. Great mother. He's the quiz for She felt naked and exposed before him, realizing then that he saw her with eyes from which little could be hidden. And that she knew was the basis of her fear. Like, he sees me. You're thinking I'm the Quistrach Hatterer. <laughs> Immediately after she thinks that. Put that out of your mind. I'm something unexpected. And this is where her allegiances switch, right? She goes, she falls back into her old, old, old modes of thinking about being Bene Gesserit and serving mm-hmm. them. And she thinks, I must get the word out to one of the schools. The mating index must show what happened. Where did we go wrong? What what yeah. happened? Jessica, dun, 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 you were the one who made the mistake and went wrong. And here we are. Yeah. They won't learn about me until it's too late, Paul said. She sought, she sought to divert him and lowered her hands. Like, okay, Paul, you're, you're acting a little crazy. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. We'll find a place among the Fremen. Paul says, the Fremen have a saying they credit to Shai Halud, old father eternity, he said. They say, be prepared to appreciate what you meet. And he thought, yes, mother mine, among the Fremen, you'll acquire the blue eyes and the callus beside your lovely nose from the filter tube to your still suit, and you'll bear my sister, St. Alia of the Knife. <gasps> that seemed important. Yeah. When I read it. <laughs> It is important. I don't. I have no idea why it's important. But She's going to be a saint. <laughs> He's going to be a saint. Yeah, uh, we've had one quote by Saint Ollie of the Knife. I think so far in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Evan thumbs through his book to see if maybe. Oh no, my computer died. It's okay. Okay. And Jessica is like, "Wait, if you're not the Quizrach Hatterack, what?" And he says, "You couldn't possibly know." You won't believe it until you see it. And this is where he thinks, I'm a seed. Like I am the beginning of something that will only continue to grow 
uncontrollably. And he starts to realize how fertile the ground is that he was planted in Dune on Arrakis with a people who have been um, hunted and subjected, who have an intense religious fervor with a geriatric spice that is everywhere that allows him to do certain things that allows things to happen. And so he, he's seeing these conclusions come to a point and it comes to two points. There's two main branches along the way. And one, he confronted an old baron and says, hello, grandfather. But the thought of that path and what lay on it sickened him. So he, that's the, uh, what he saw on that, he was like, I can't do that. But that's one, that's one ending of this whole right. situation where he says, hello, grandfather. The other path held long patches of gray obscurity, except for peaks of violence. He had seen a warrior religion there, a fire spreading across the universe with the Atreides green and black banner, waving at the, he- at the head of fanatic legions, drunk on spice liquor. Gurney Halleck and others of his father's men, a pitiful few were among them, all marked by the hawk symbol from the shrine of his father's skull. I can't go that way, he muttered. That's the way the old witches of your school really want. He's saying this all out loud. I think think he's like just tripping at this point. Like he's reached the conclusion of his trip to the end of time to see where all of this leads. Like literally, what was the last thing that he said? He couldn't possibly know. You, you won't believe it until you see it. I can't go that way. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, Paul, oh, I don't understand you. Like, what is happening right now? Yes. And then he remained silent, just sitting there, thinking. Like a seed he was. With this race consciousness he experienced first, his terrible purpose. He found it was no longer than he could hate the Bene Gesserit or the Emperor or even Harkonnens. They're all caught up in the need of their race to renew its scattered inheritance, to cross and mingle and infuse their bloodlines in a great new pool of genes. And the race knew only one way to be sure of this, the ancient way, the tried and certain way that rolled over everything in its path. Jihad. And so he thinks, surely I can't go that way. Right. If I go that way, he thinks... This is me, Caleb, saying my thought here, not Paul in the book. Right, right, right. But like, if I do it this way, I'm just like everybody else. Right. This is the way it's always been done. This is the way that um, Genghis Khan did it. Right. Rolled over people. Same way Alexander the Great did it. Rolled over people. This is the way that, um, let's just say, the Christians and the Crusades did it. Just rolled over people. This is the way it's always been done, tried and true. This is the way to spread your seed over as everywhere as possible. Right. He's seeing. He's seeing behind the curtain of. Oh, sorry, I bumped the mic. Seeing behind the curtain of empire and greed and all of that stuff, and he's like, "Wait a second. There's a whole other, completely separate situation to this like whole system that people are so entrenched in, and." I can't do it the way that I can't go the way of empire. I have to go this other way. But he only has two paths. Right. Like he, he goes to the next time. Oh. Right. Um, 
and he sees that it's it's there. That's it. Don't worry, people. We're almost done here. That scared me. I know. Me too. <laughs> um, sorry, the door opened. People podcast. They're listening. We're, we're like, wait, so what? we were so we're in so the so tent with uh, Paul with and Paul Jessica. and Jessica. Someone <laughs> opened the door. We were like, the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> no, our moisture. Our moisture. Our moisture. <laughs> um, but he knows he can't go this way because this blackens his father's legacy, right? What is the Duke Lido known for? Peace, prosperity, joy, abundance. We're living all of this. And if he goes this way, it's going to blacken his father's name. Right. The Atreides name. The Atreides that stood for peace and prosperity will now stand for death and and tyrants. Right. But it's also like just not the way Lido did things. Exactly. Lido was righteous and he cared about people and he didn't super duper care about the system and right the the politics and the garbage that the imperium is used to so he's like there has to be another way for the human race to survive besides doing this the whole thing is just keep the human race alive right by spreading your genes as far as they can go in an evolutionary sense and paul's like wait there has there's got to be a different way yeah. how do we get to this way um and jessica wants to change the conversation again because she's freaked out because he said like two sentences in two unrelated fields <laughs> jessica clears her throat <clears throat> worried by his silence uh then the uh fremen will give us sanctuary he looked up stared across the green lighted tent at the inbreded Patrician, Patrician, yeah. Patrician lines of her face. Yes, he said. That's one of the ways. He nodded. Yes, they'll call me Muhadib, the one who points the way. Yes, that's what they'll call me. And he closed his eyes, thinking, now, my father, I can warn you. And he felt the tears coursing down his cheeks. Ah! And that's in um, book one. Of Dune. And yeah, that's the end of our uh, chapter here today. It's a big one. It's a long one. I don't know if I got all of it. It's like, it, it, that was just a lot to take in. You know, like, it's, yeah, it's literally to the point that Frank, as the, as the narrator, couldn't even explain what was happening sufficiently, you know? Exactly. He was like, this is a trip that we're all going on right now. Right. And there's no way even the people who are experiencing can describe it. Right. Gosh. Seeing time like that. Now I'm like really excited to see what Paul comes up with. What's the alternative? What is the alternative? What's what's the other option? Because ugh, Caleb, Caleb knows this, but like I'm I'm like in my life, in my own like my own stuff, my own, you know, faith, spiritual stuff that's happening in my life. I'm learning a lot from just the concept of the desert. And like that, that, that thing that we just talked about is so massive, you know, like, are you going to choose this like empire thing? Or are you going to find another way that is better is just like different and better. And just like, there's so there's like, that's the whole jar of good juice right there is like in that thought of like will you choose power and greed and like violence or will you choose something, something else? else 
And now we're about to, um, we're going to go to the Fremen eventually. We're going to get there and you're going to see what the people of the desert look like, ah. how they live and how, what, what are their code of ethics? Yeah. We're about to, we've seen city life, Frofreluch's mm-hmm. empire life of right. the Imperium. Now we're about to see the people on the outside, the native, the savages. Those who dwell in the desert. People who live in the desert. Gosh. Yes. So, um, again, thank you very much for listening. Share with a friend. Don't share this episode, though. Maybe share this episode. Maybe. Uh, um, maybe this was our best one yet. Maybe not. I liked it. We tried a new system. We were face-to-face here. <laughs> um, and uh, if you like it, then tell us at Twitter at Reading Dune or hit us on the emails, if that's still your thing, readingdune at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you so much for Reading Dune with us. I have Evan completely hooked on this book. I'm I'm lost, dude. This is this has got a hold of me. <laughs> it's insane. And um, yeah, we'll see you in the next chapter. Stay spicy. Stay spicy.